Swallows of the South is a proud member of the RPG Academy Network. Hello and welcome to Swallows of the South. I'm Quinn Wilson, storyteller. This week we continue our run of The Fall of Shazrod with Rob Stiff. There's not really a lot for me to say, aside from the fact that you should definitely check out Rob's podcast, The Orpheus Protocol, when you get the chance. With that being said, let's get into today's episode. In the time of myth, when gods and mortals walked creation together, the dawn cast Alceus was met by two sorcerously mutated hunters, Abathar and Muzania, who had come for mysterious purposes, finding him in his well-hidden hideaway in the Dreaming Sea. Having slayed an ox dragon together, now perhaps they could turn themselves to conversation. What was it that had drawn the hunters to Alceus? Why was Alceus in hiding? Would this end in partnership or something far more grim? I appreciate your help, but how could you two have come this far? What what brings you all the way out here? Uh, you kind of your your stuff. We are looking for an item you have. Having seen you in action, I uh, don't pretend to say I'll take it by force, but if you are willing to part with it... That'd be nice. Alceus affects a look of confusion that is obviously manufactured, like he is just not good at deception. Ooh, I thought we were about at lying. Oh, well, I am. Well, he's worse. Well, he doesn't even have the skin thing. And Abathar's skin, as he is saying that and being sort of jovial starts to turn slightly bluish well you can have as much as you can carry no your other item it's a idol item a fairly small sized dragon i believe alceus actually just sits down cross-legged completely gobsmacked how could you possibly know that we're psychic come now we read the tea leaves. We read the smoke signals. <laughs> Sibling, I do believe you've been reading a little too much of the smoke signals, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Fine. We come from a town of sorcerers. By town, I kind of mean a megatropolis of lava, but lots of magic. Heard of Shazrod? No, I haven't um, spent much time getting to know anyone around here. That's uh, a place. Well, we were hired for our skills to come track you down and take this idol that you have. Uh, they told us by force, if necessary, dead or alive. It didn't really matter, though. Again, uh, given, and he points to the dead Triceratops, I, I think perhaps just talking is best. Alcius shakes his head. If you were sent, that means that others know of where I am, doesn't it? Yeah. How how many? Where? A megatropolis? Like, how many people live in a giant city? Is this public knowledge where you come from? Uh, I well, mean... no. We were hired personally. I assume others were also hired, though I don't know how well their tracking skills will hold up. We appear to be the first to find you, though. Unless you already killed the others. No, no, you are the first. Do you know how they found me? How they told you where to go? I wouldn't say it was 
public knowledge or anything like that again, but there's been strange things happening in the mage community. There's this new creepy lady hanging out by the king. Yeah, I don't know anything about her, but eh, she's not from around here either. But it wasn't long after she showed up that uh, we were roped into uh, looking for you. Alcius knuckles his forehead, clearly unprepared to be thinking about the consequences of all these different things. He had fallen into such a routine of just being alone and subsisting and existing, and all of a sudden there are all these problems to solve, and it's very overwhelming. What what does it mean? I, I'm sorry, I, I can't part with the idol. It's just not something that I can do. What does it mean for the two of you? If death. You- oh, most likely death. I doubt the ruling class would particularly enjoy two peasants that come back from a mission empty-handed. The other dozen probably going to die too, because uh, I don't think anyone can do what you just did. Yeah, true. Many, many more will die if I were to lose possession of this idol. It's why I have it's it in the first place. some sort of place. weapon, then? It could be. In Is the wrong a- hands, and I'm quite s- certain that... There are many wrong hands seeking it even now. I took it from its original resting place in order to keep it away from those who would misuse it. Hmm. Do you have anywhere that you can go? Anyone you can turn to? Anything? Uh, Well, I could probably survive here for a small amount of time. Given the fauna around here, I don't know if it would be as long as perhaps you've been out here. But, uh... As you can probably tell from looking at us, and Muzanai's quills go back down to being more like a hedgehog than a porcupine, we don't exactly blend in. No, if someone is looking for us, it is fairly simple to find us. Well, I wish that I had an easy answer for you, some way to make this less of a disaster. But I and all those that I have sworn to protect can't afford to have some sorcerer out there knowing how to find us how to locate this idol or any idol for this is one of many i'm given to understand i gods i have to go back to where you came from and disrupt whatever this method is that this strange woman is using this this cannot be I wish that I could just run and take you with me, but they'll just find us again unless someone stops them from doing whatever it is that they did. Well, I love a good hostile takeover. If we were to come with you and be seen in such a show of power, I don't think that the other mages would probably come after us. They'd think twice if we were to, say, have a friend such as you. And we know the town well enough, we can get you in and out. That is a decided advantage. I do admit that I feel a bit apprehensive about the ease with which you have seemed to change sides. But I suppose that any port in a storm applies. There will not be a moment's peace until the method by which this strange caster of spells has found me is no longer on the table. Well, I should let you know this isn't a mere turning based on convenience. I do very much hate Our good ruler, as you can see from my sibling and myself, we are not quite regular folk. That's not something we were born with. Those are the gifts that we were given. You see, we were peasants, and therefore, if we would like bread to eat, there's 
always work to be done in the laboratories. Your society is not free. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Oh, no. If you can't work some manner of sorceress ability, then, um... It will be worked on you. Yes, very well said. I will see this king of yours, and I will determine who is responsible for your having found me, and I will do what I can to give you a safe place to return to, and to oppose in any way that I can this awful way of life that is being forced on... How large is this place? Oh, a good size. 50,000... 100,000... Maybe 150. It depends on how you're dividing the society. The poor people who have always lived there or the rich people that come in and have fun. And at this, Moose and I flicks a quill into a nearby tree and it just skewers straight through. There can be no argument then. I, I must try to help you. I keep this idol to keep innocent people safe, but if so many are in such deplorable condition i the spirit to protect it would be taken from me were i to turn my back i will help you though i do not know precisely how well i suppose that trick with the dragon there was a pretty good one i think that would probably work on the king himself i i admit i i have not aside from hunting the food that i need to survive i have not tested my strength against any on land then Alcia sort of snarls silently at himself for having let out too much information. He's very bad at this. <laughs> Are you from Palanking, then? F- further than that, I fear. Oh, I don't know. Another not landy city aside from Palanking and us. Oh, maybe Laith? Kinda. It's more on a body than on a I don't know. I've heard there's other floating cities up in the north somewhere i've i've never you know obviously been alcius is trying not to tell them anything and realizing that any kind of lie will just be sniffed out immediately so he more or less just has an almost constipated look on his face just trying not to say anything at all you uh you hungry there or uh do you need a moment to i hear squatting is very good if you're having the ocean i'm I'm from the ocean originally. This isn't even what I look like. Uh, well, s- sort of, but it, it, you have had sorcery worked on you. I have as well. I, I was given this form to walk the earth and keep the idol away from those who would exploit its power. Oh, you're from one of those raft villages, like a... No, I think he used to be a dolphin. Uh, no. No, dolphins are not allowed in our kingdom. No oh, good. Uh... They're a bit worst. Terrible jerks. No, he couldn't He couldn't be a dolphin or not a dolphin. Maybe an eel. I was a marrow. Are there no stories? We have had contact with sailors and pirates, but perhaps not. I am neither. Same. Small world we live in, brother. Very small. Shall we... Shake a leg or a fin? These are called legs. Yes. (laughs) Interesting. All right. These are called arms. (laughs) Well, I've always had those. Well, I wasn't sure how much working got worked on you. I haven't always had these. And Muzanai points to their quills, which kind of feather up and then down. Yes, I suppose that just a few things that I should get from home. And we should all carry as much meat as we can so that we can make the journey safely. Yes, of course. Let's get cooking. 
we see Abathar, Muzanai, and Elsaeus make quick work of carving what of the ox dragon they can easily carry, as well as some of its skin and bone mass. And we cut back to Elsaeus's cave, where there is somewhat panicked and frantic packing. In this preparation, is Elsaeus bringing the idol with him? Yes, as deeply uncomfortable as it is to have it with him, there's no way to know for 100% sure whether the working locked onto him or the idol itself and leaving it unattended, not on his person, is just way too risky. Perfect. And did Abathar and Muzanai use a, any particular mode of transport to get here, or did they just use their old trotters? Rolling, rolling, rolling. Muz and I hedgehog rolls alongside. It's kind of slow, so that way they keep pace with Abathar uh, and don't leave him in the dust. It's fine. Abathar can, not super comfortably, but he can run on all fours. As they thusly locomote, Alcius presumably follows behind at the pace that he is able to maintain, himself being quite an athlete, I'm sure, could go much farther, much faster, but... You maintain this pace as consistently and for as long as you can, breaking to make camp for two or three days before you finally arrive back at Shazrad. So Shazrad is a city with magma flows. Why don't you, John and Josette, give me a little bit more of a visual understanding of the city and how you picture it? Shazrad is sort of like if... Venice had magma instead of waterways. Along the canals, you can see these runes and magic script that has been placed around it that is there to keep the heat at bay as much as possible. But you can also tell from any time you would look at the buildings anywhere near those canals there's also a flooding season that will happen where the lower few feet of these buildings are just blackened and the streets themselves are covered in this glassy black broken lava almost like cobblestones made out of lava and there is this smell throughout most of the city that is kind of like a cross between burnt banana bread and cream cheese frosting. It's this kind of sickeningly sweet but smoky smell that just kind of carries throughout most of the city. And obviously the poorer part smells more burnt and the richer part smells more like cream cheese frosting. Perfect. And it's not long before you enter the city that one of Dahud, the Sorcerer King's royal attendants and guards, who keep watch by the entrances to the city, approaches your group. They are wearing this elaborate red and black armor that is equally solid and flowing in design. There are skirt portions that wrap around the legs and the sleeves are somewhat flowing, as well as a helmet that has a long, ribbony tail. The guard themselves looks as though they are a person for whom the flesh between the top of their lips 
and their eyes has almost been turned into some sort of putty or liquid and smoothed out and pulled around and up toward the back of their head, keeping their eyes intact. But it creates this radical sloping and almost a pinned or pulled back look for most of their face, such that it looks like it is being held back in this cruel tension. It's a pleasure to see that you have returned, hunters. You will please our lord. I see that you have brought with you a friend. Yes, and I'm sure that seeing our friend will definitely please the lord greatly. That is wonderful it would be. Shameful for you to have returned, empty-handed or perhaps having been deceived. There's a high price to pay for such transgressions, you understand? Oh, I assure you we understand. I think you do as well. Yes, there's always more work to be done. More perfect states for our forms to attain. Alcius has got kind of a caged animal energy going on. The closeness of the buildings, the narrowness of the streets, the sheer number of people are honestly even more disconcerting to him than the extreme heat and dangerous terrain. It's it's incredibly nerve-wracking just being here. Everything is so busy and loud and cramped. The guard is leading you now back through the city, through the slums toward the more wealthy portions of town. The slums are crowded with folks, many of whom are moving quickly or quietly with hunched forms, or they are sitting simply in their overcrowded homes. There are few here who seem like the humans that Alcius has encountered, if briefly in his time since he left the sea. Everyone here seems like their form has been changed or altered in some way. Some more than others. Some here, you are forced to question whether or not they retain anything resembling their actual humanity. Are they simply creatures of flesh and bone, these masses or golems of scales and teeth and sinew. But radical transformations slowly give way to subtle effects, refined, elegant versions of alterations made to those in the slums. Then, beyond that, to finery, jewelry, piercings, and tattoos. The palace sits atop a veritable lake of this magma. It boils and roils from the edges of this moat down through the city flowing, giving it life, but a painful, choking, sulfuric life. In the palace itself, halls carved of obsidian glass and red volcanic stone coil swerving into courtyards, dining halls, and parlor rooms, until you are brought to Dahud's throne room itself. This flat, open space, directly overlooking the lake of magma before you. There, perhaps ten feet into the lake itself, rising directly from it, is a brilliant crimson throne on which sits, posed confidently but peacefully, the Sorcerer King. He is thin and wiry, but athletic 
He is bald and wears little in the way of clothing. His body is covered in coursing red tattoos that lace across his ebony skin. It seems these tattoos flow and roil as though perhaps magma flows not only through this city as its lifeblood, but through his own body as his blood. And standing just in front of the throne, off to the side, is this advisor. As you enter, you see that her black and yellow and orange robe is laid upon the floor. Her back seems to have been split open. Something is folding itself back inside of her as you enter, as she slowly and gracefully stands, clothing herself again. Her dark hair with its sharp lines is wiped out of her eyes as she looks, reading you only with a slight change in the tilt of her head. Seeing that happen when walking in, Abathar's skin just reflexively begins to mimic his surroundings. He, without even realizing it, is attempting to hide in plain sight. There can be no hiding here. And realizing what he is doing, Abathur stops the shifting in the colors of his skin and tries to go back to his normal shade, but is slightly redder than he would normally be. Concern yourselves not. I know what you have brought with you. This has been confirmed, has it not? And the woman in the robe simply looks over the three of you and says, It has. So, I encourage you to turn over the item quickly, or perhaps my generosity will find that its limits have been exceeded. A slight sardonic grin creeps across Alcius's face, and he straightens himself up upon being addressed in this way. And he says, I came here without resisting. These two will attest. And in light of that, I would speak with you for even a few moments before the fate of this item is decided. A trifling request. Dahud smiles. Perhaps this should be amusing. Machin, you are dismissed. You are free to do as you would. If for some reason this conversation goes in ways unexpected, I know how to get into contact with you. Majin straightens the creases on her robe, begins to stride across the room, and as she does, places her hand on Alceus. It's a shame I didn't get to see more of you. Heard interesting stories? Then again, make it out alive and maybe we'll get a chance to see each other again someday. And she pats you twice and steps out. Go ahead and give me a difficulty six perception plus awareness roll. I will activate sensory acuity prana. Ten successes. As her hand rolls off of your shoulder, you can feel each individual hair between your shoulder and the back of your neck begin to fall and give way as eight individual points of minute pressure begin to slowly crawl their way back towards your neck. With intent, it would seem to go higher than that. It is warm conducive not only perhaps of body heat but the intense heat of the magma all around you what do you do 
flesh crawling, I make a quick and rough sweeping gesture with my hand against my back to fling whatever these awful little prickly sensations are away from myself. I have not been on land for long, but I know what it feels like to have bugs on you. And as you do this, before you, crumbling on the floor, is this insect with eight legs and eyes upon eyes upon eyes, made of this dull, metallic substance. But as light from the flows of magma plays across it, it clearly and brilliantly iridesces. Majin's footsteps have fallen out of earshot. Well then, you have your audience. I encourage you to speak quickly. I will step forward to address the king and in so doing bring my heel down and crush the spider. The first thing that I would ask of you is why? Why do you want this idol? What possible use could you have for it? It seemed to me perhaps useful. No, I shan't lie to you. Seemed to me a trifle, an amusement, something to occupy my attention. If you'd like, you can try to read his intentions and see if he was in fact telling you the truth. It'll be a difficulty for. That is four successes to read intentions. Yeah, he is not telling you the truth. There's more to this than his amusement. As this conversation progresses, Alcius seems to somewhat progressively remember his previous station in life, becoming used to this kind of lofty dialogue with people assured of their own power and station. And he says, should you continue to obfuscate in this way, I I would be forced to interpret your offer to parlay with me before the deposition of the idol is determined as nothing more than an insult. And I am certain that that's not your intent. Then I will make it clear. I am fulfilling, I am simply fulfilling the request of a trusted advisor. And in exchange for satisfying their desires, Shazrod will see itself rise to heights never before seen. I will see myself rise to heights and station never before seen in all of the Dreaming Sea. I will not be a sorcerer king. I will be a sorcerer emperor, nay, Perhaps a sorcerer god seems to me more than a fair exchange for a paltry idol, the likes of which the realm and prosody curs occupy themselves. Don't you agree? This does bring me to the other question that I must ask you, and the more troubling one. I have seen the people of this, what I would have thought as an enormous, unthinkable settlement that you have in such a harsh place. You have done powerful workings in their flesh. It is clear that you have great power. Why do you desire power if you use it for something other than making this place a better place? What use is power when those whose problems, those whose struggles and suffering are easiest to solve and to allay are left to suffer more by the use of power. (laughs) You misunderstand the purpose or nature of what these workings are intended to do. And he slowly sits upright and then begins to push himself from the throne as magma begins to 
swirl around his body, congealing into a larger form. His flesh is clearly searing as this occurs, until it is obfuscated in its entirety by the magma that is growing to surround him, which is taking the form of a great dragon, serpentine and sinuous, which begins snaking its way slowly around the columns that hold the building up. His upper torso and head remain above the body of this enormous creature atop its forehead. To attain enlightenment, child, is to change one's form. It is to break oneself and be imagined anew. I seek not to inflict pain upon my subjects, to reap the successes of their suffering. I seek to enlighten the subjects of my kingdom, to bring them through the breaking of bone and the shaping of flesh into the beings that they are destined to become, to shape them into the thing that will rule creation, supplanting humanity and even the realm and dragon-blooded itself. I do this from the kindness of my heart. Would you seek to waylay my efforts to spread my mercy to more in creation? I want to try to determine if he is being deceptive or if he really does believe that what he is doing is right. Make another read intentions at difficulty four. When the hood started to gain the like lava and everything coming up onto him, very subtly the side of Abathar's arm shifted between several different colors and Mazenya and Abathar began to flank around from where Alceus was. Good. Reading intentions. Seven. Yeah, he believes this. He has carved this into the essence of his flesh. In some way, he believes what he and the other magicrats here do to be in the interest of enlightening the people of creation. Alcius sighs and says to Dahud, When I saw the condition of the people here, I was... I was angry. I felt rage towards you, but that was presumptuous of me. I understand that you believe every word that you are speaking to me. You are not a liar. You are not an evil man. You are you are much like the beast that gave me this. And he indicates his large scar. You are overburdened with strength, with glory and power, but have no concept, no sense of how it may be used. You are mad. It is not with anger, but with sadness that I act. I can see the strings that pull fate and creation itself. And you would call me mad. You would call me blind. You would call me unable to wield my own power. You are a fool. You think me cruel. You think me misguided. I think you a monster. And Abathar pulls his flame piece out and attempts to shoot at him. And as you do this, the serpent dragon spews forth a gout of magma, and everybody, roll join combat!
Thank you so much for listening to Swallows of the South. If you'd like to get in touch with the show or ask Quinn any questions, feel free to contact us at our email at swallowsofthesouth at gmail.com. We can also be found on Twitter at Swallows of South and on Facebook and Tumblr at Swallows of the South. Our theme song is new by Elvis Herod. If you'd like to help the show out, feel free to leave us a five-star rating or review on iTunes or check our Patreon. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next Tuesday.